Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. I mean, God promises all of these things to us. Why isn't it happening? Why isn't it being manifested? And sometimes it's God's timing. So we have to stay happy and filled with faith. And sometimes it's because there's something that's blocking that blessing from coming. So the first one we talked about is the power of the tongue. Uh, Because we were created in God's image, and by the way, this whole teaching is on July 25th. If you're listening to the podcast, you can go to the um, Fit for Life teaching, and on July 25th, that's the first part. We're created in God's image, and a lot of times we think that means that God has a head and arms and legs. But what it means is that we have creative power. It means that as we speak, it's a prayer. So anytime that we are speaking, we are creating. So a lot of times things have crept into our language. One of the things that mothers often say is, my kids are driving me crazy. Okay, you need to rebuke that and turn it around. You can say, my kids are driving me to wisdom. (laughs) Because whatever you're speaking, you're creating. The other thing is that you prophesy over yourself, no matter what the circumstances are. I am God's beloved. I walk in total health. Social salvation means nothing missing and nothing broken. Thank you that I'm healed from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. No matter what my physical body is doing, I speak and prophesy over myself. And then the third one, um, don't curse yourself by claiming things that have happened in your family. Ah, That's just how I am. My dad was that way. My mom was that way. Whatever. Get rid of that one. You want to draw a line in the sand and not let any of that pass on to your children. Next thing we talked about was gossip. Micah 7 verse 5 says to put a guard on your mouth. It sometimes is juicy to talk about someone. I understand that. But the Jewish teaching is that if I gossip, I'm killing their future. And so that's just about as bad as murder. Some of the things in the Jewish culture that don't seem to be that bad in our Western culture are very bad in the Jewish culture. So I'm, I'm glad to have studied that to realize my part in making sure that I don't do anything to disrupt someone else's future. Next thing we talked about was the high cost of anger. Anger can keep you from the promised land. Remember Moses? I mean, he had a testing group of people that he had to to pastor, and he got angry a couple of times, and, and it wasn't that he lost his temper. It was that losing his temper as a leader brought a stink on God. There are some other technical terms, but just literally for our purposes. If as a leader, whether it be a father in the home or a mother in the home or or you on your job, if you lose your temper, it brings a stink on you and the people that you are representing. So anger can keep you out of the way. It's not a sin to be angry, by the way. It's not a sin to be angry, but it's a sin to act improperly upon that anger. Ephesians (laughs) 4.26, when I was going back and forth uh, driving in in Oregon when I was still working in corporate, and I would listen to preachers on the radio. And one was talking about uh, wives, and he would say something, and it just kind of, and then I would pray to God, say, forgive me, Father, for getting upset. You know, this is your word. And about three weeks into listening to this particular series, God says, why are you confessing that as sin? It's like, what do you mean? And he said, that guy's wrong. It's like, get out. 
He said, what I'm doing is teaching you discernment. He said, you listen to him and you will discern. That's my spirit in you when he's saying something wrong. Not to write a letter or go (laughs) march in front of his building, but to understand that not everything that falls out of the lips of of a church leader is absolutely solid. If you've ever been into a service with Pastor Larry, you've heard him kind of switch things around. And we've gotten so used to listening to it that we automatically switch it back to what he really means. (laughs) But if someone were brand new and they heard some of those things, that would be like, what the world is he talking about? So have discernment developed inside of you, not only for what a preacher says, but for what people say around you. So that's about anger. Breaking the curse off your money. We know we need to tithe. We know that's not just Old Testament. There is no such thing, by the way, as Old Testament and New Testament. If you take a look at the Bible, the only Bible that Jesus preached from was Torah, the first five books of the Bible. He didn't have anything else. So when he talks about giving and so forth, they knew about tithing. They knew about circumcising the first part of their money so that the rest of it was blessed. So we know about tithing. Uh, We also know that God causes people to give to us. One of my favorite stories is um, the Jewish nation when they left Egypt and the Egyptians just gave them everything. Say, take it, take it, take it. It reminds me sometimes of when we get gifts from unexpected places. And just a side note, be sure that we're gracious. So many times I say, oh, no, 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 that's okay, you keep it. And I did that for a long time until my discernment button went off one day and God's going, why would you rob them of their blessing? It's like, what? He said, yeah, take it. Okay, okay. So just realize that there are a lot of things that we can do in life, and receiving is one of them. (laughs) It's easier for some people than others. Um, Make a list of what's been stolen from you and your family, whether it be your nationality, whether it be anything that is going on, anyone who has cheated you, any dealings in business, and not to go back and lick our wounds, but just to say, Lord, this was not fair, and make, make a list of it, and then claim it back. I wouldn't go back through that lost list on a daily basis. I would switch it over to the thank you, Father, that you are restoring everything that's on that list that I'm no longer looking at, everything that's on that list that belonged to my family, to my, the generations before me. The other thing is that Jesus wasn't poor. (laughs) These are all teachings from breaking the curse off your money. If he had been poor, they wouldn't have been gambling for his clothes. I mean, when I die, they're not going to be going through my closet gambling for my clothes. I have one coat that we have just talked about. I have some jewelry that they might be looking for, but the rest of it, not so much. So you must realize that a lot of that is from religious teaching. And by the way, religious teaching, they weren't evil men and women when they made these things. They were just wrong. They were sincere, but they were wrong. (laughs) So Jesus wasn't broke. Uh, I probably really understood that one when we went to Israel. And, um, you know, you've always heard about the disciples, and you kind of picture them as disheveled people. Well, there's a, uh, an area where Peter's house is. And I'm thinking, how has a tent lasted all these centuries? Peter had a house. Peter had indoor plumbing. Peter's house was huge. And it was on the, the shoreline where he had his fishing company. And so I'm looking at it, and it's like, so this guy wasn't just a fisherman. It's like he owned Bumblebee Tuna. And he had workers. And when he left to follow Jesus, it's like, why would Jesus take the breadwinner away from a wife and children? It was because he had more than enough to take care of his wife and children as he followed Jesus. So just some side teaching here. Um, Witchcraft. 
I didn't teach this when we covered witchcraft, but sometimes in the church community, our prayers are witchcraft. A lot of young women will see a guy in the church, and it's, Lord, thank you, Father, that you picked him to be my husband, and thank you that you're bringing him to me. It's like, no, 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 that's witchcraft. When you light your Shabbat candle, if you're a single woman, then you pray for the man that God is going to bring to you, but you don't call him out because he's the cutest one or the richest one in the church service. God seldom says, that's going to be your wife and when he, or your husband. And when he does say it, it's confirmed with other people. There's a couple in our church. Um, she was single. She has a business. He was single. Uh, he had done the righteous thing all of his life. And he was watching television because uh, he was in Oregon and saw a woman walk past uh, Pastor Larry giving first fruit. And in his spirit, it says, that's your wife. And he's like, I don't even know who that is. I mean, she did, he didn't see the front of her face or anything. Um, circumstances had them to start communicating. Uh, he came to visit. Um, in fact, we went out because I... He said, I, I want to take her out on the date. It's like, no, you don't. You want to take her out in a group. You're going to freak her out. Uh, so we were with them in, the, in a group, and she came back, and she went, nah, he's not my type at all. And then they continued uh, corresponding, and then, don't you know, a couple months later, she walks in with a ring on her finger, and it's like, what? <laughs> because God confirmed. He didn't push. He just continued being the friend that he had always been before he came to Oregon. And because she had some preconceived ways of looking at men that God was going to bring to her. She didn't recognize that this was the man that God was bringing to her. And uh, they have a very, very good marriage and are very, very happy. So, in fact, when Don and I met, I didn't like him and he didn't like me. And I, that just dropped it. Yeah, and my girlfriend fixed us up kind of on a blind date. And then she went to him and said, oh, she really likes you. And she came to me and said, oh, he really likes you. And it's like, oh, brother, okay. So the second date was a mercy date for both of us. And um, it turned out pretty good. Okay. Um, harming the innocent. Seldom in a church organization do we talk about harming the innocent. But um, that includes, you know, anything that you're doing to embarrass somebody or hurt somebody. Uh, parenting that with too strong rules. Um, when it says in the Bible about, you know, train up a child in the way they should go, a lot of times in our Western mentality, we say that, yeah, this is what I know to be the way to go, so you're going to go in it. And actually, the Jewish concept is they're not going to name a child until the child is born and they have a chance to see what they're really like, and the name means something on that particular individual. And then it's the parent's responsibility to figure out, what is that child gifted in? What is the, what is, how can I mold the love of God into that child? How can I inspire them to learn more? So it doesn't mean that we're training a child in the way we think they ought to go. Because by the time we get to our age having kids, we probably know the way they ought to go. But it means understanding how to deal with them. If you've had more than one child, then you know kids are different. And you can't use one rule for all of them. Uh, for a season, I had two children in, in my home that were not blood relatives of mine. And uh, my daughter is the only one that I've ever birthed. And my daughter is very, very strong. I can't imagine where she got that. Very, very strong and very, very opinionated. And um, it took a more firm hand for Kristen. And the little girl that was in my home, I didn't even ever have to say anything to her. I would just look at her. And she was just immediately going to conform and do what was right. So had I had one rule for all, I would have really damaged her spirit. I would have caused her to shrink back. Um, there was no shrinking for my daughter. <laughs> okay. Uh, the curse of unforgiveness. That's another thing that's going to stop your blessing. 
we know that forgiving somebody does not mean bringing them back into our inner circle. Some of us just need to forgive and bring them back in. And other people have done things to us. And by no means is God saying, bring them back into your heart. It means that you forgive them, not denying what happened, but you forgive them in order uh, for you to relax so that you're not carrying that around. And we think about forgiveness kind of as an option. And yet, if you look at what we call the Lord's Prayer, um, it tells us right there, you better forgive people if you expect to be forgiven. And we kind of skip over that lightly, like, oh, he doesn't really mean that. Yeah, he really does. (laughs) He wants us to be able to walk through our world without being upset. And for many years, I had gone through my list of, you know, everybody in my my life who had done anything. And I thought I was pretty clean uh, until one pastor one time said, um, and also that means if there's anybody that could walk into the room that would cause you to go, that's someone you haven't forgiven yet. It's like, oh my gosh, I've got a whole nother list to go through now. So if you've already forgiven a whole bunch of people and you think you're, you're in a good spot, test it. Just you know, say, what would happen if they walked in? What would happen if they walk in? And then release that because that unforgiveness is inside of you and God can't get his blessing into you. And once you let go, then you have more room to receive God's blessing. So I figured that was a pretty good reason to be able to forgive people. Okay. Oh, um, another thing that, that was interesting to me about the uh, Jewish way of doing life, um, they don't believe in handouts. If you came into my city and I had a business, because most Jewish people have businesses, then I would not feed you necessarily week after week after week. What I would do is say, you know, what kind of a business? What, what are you good at? And I would make room in my store for them to operate a business. Because the Jewish culture realizes that if you operate on a handout, that takes away some of your personal dignity. Now, if you cannot work, absolutely, then the church is going to take care of you. And by this season, the church means government because we pay our taxes and we still take care of people. Morning, honey. But it means that if you can work, work. And you say, but I get more money if I don't work. And it's like, well, God can't bless your nothing. But I promise you, if you put your hand to something, all of a sudden you'll get a promotion. You'll get a raise. He can work with that. There's dignity in working for, in fact, the Bible says, he who doesn't work doesn't eat. The curse of racism. Hmm. Matthew 12, 25. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to destruction. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Pastors Larry and Tiz, from the very first church that they founded, have intentionally built a multicolored church because they realize that that's what God created. And every, every different person brings such a special gift to the church. Before we met Pastors Larry and Tiz, and I was getting my healing from cancer, um, we belonged to a wonderful little Baptist church that. They meant well, but they didn't believe in healing. They didn't believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But when I was diagnosed with cancer and uh, given um, some really unpleasant prophecies over my life, it was like, let's not tell anybody in the church. I don't want them praying for strength to get through. I need to find somebody who believes in healing. And um, God at that time would put me in a business group of women that um, the four women that we decided to have a kind of a life group, we didn't call it them, but a life group together, they were all from different churches, but they were all all tongue-talking women of faith. And so I slipped into that, and they started talking to me about speech, 
about what I read, what I looked at, what I said, um, and help me walk through to get my healing. The healing part of it didn't come right away. I joke when I came to Pastor Slurry and Tiz, and I said, you know, if I'd been in this church, I would have been healed the second week. But it took three years. And every time I went to the doctor and would be tested, the reports came back more negative and more negative and more negative. And Pastor Tiz, one time, she said, how did you walk through that? And I said, I really think because I was in a church that didn't believe in healing, it was easier for me because I knew that was wrong. So when I stepped out of that, I stepped into, no, I am healed. And I started living in the healed spot. And every time a negative test result, it's like, no, 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 no. You have to line up with the word of God. I didn't have to prove anything to anybody because there wasn't anybody watching me believing that healing was going to (laughs) happen. It was just kind of my husband, my, me, um, and my parents. And then when I look back, they were not extremely faith-filled people either, but it's like God kind of opened their eyes. And so they supported my decision to do things naturally. I didn't do anything that the medical profession recommended. However, I'm quick to say God uses both pathways for healing. So for one person, he's going to say, do this. And for another person, he's going to say, do that. And you say, well, why? Well, because we're human. And because if one thing did it, we would start worshiping that one thing. And God wants us to be in relationship with him. He wants us to lean into him during any circumstance in our life that isn't exactly the way that we want it. So that we're close to him and he walks with us through that situation. It did take three years, but we made it, didn't we? And actually, I've only had God speak out loud to me twice. Um, when, and I would like to say that I was very spiritual, but I wasn't when it happened. Um, I was taking all the pills and supplements and stuff that I had been taking uh, to, to get my body back to healthy again. And over my left shoulder, I just audibly heard God's voice say, you're healed. And it was like, oh, oh. And my first thing was not thank you. I would love to say it was. My first thing was, can I stop taking these pills? <laughs> and my spirit heard, I no longer heard the audible voice. No, you have used up your body with stress and living on chocolate and coffee. You're going to have to take pills to supplement what you have done to my temple. Like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So ever since then, I have been re-educating myself on supplements and what I need to do and how to have energy and how to have good rest, how to have a day off, which we learned with Shabbat. But I still take pills <laughs> because I realize I have something to do. So I have to make sure that this body is going to be alive and healthy enough to do it. Um, when God created us, he created us male and female. And he gave us the exact color that we are supposed to be. He made no mistakes. So during that season when I was getting my healing, Don and I would slip into some of the beautiful African-American churches that were in Portland, Oregon. And their dance and their hands and their joy were just so refreshing for us. And we would kind of hide in the back seat, realizing that the presence of God was there. And it was a way to get, oh, filled up. It was a way to say, oh, 
thank you, Lord, that we have a church we can come to. And one time, bless their hearts, they were very well schooled in, in uh, evangelism. And they had an altar call, uh, but it was also for, for healing. So I went forward for the healing part of it because it's like these people have, have a connection with God. I want to make sure I'm in that, that, that flow. And a lady came right up to me and she said, oh, I'm so glad you decided to accept Jesus as your Savior. It's like, oh, bless her heart. She thinks I'm a convert. <laughs> and God's like, don't burst her bubble. I'm like, okay. And she said, can I pray with you? And I said, yes, and pray for healing as well. So she went through the salvation prayer, and then she got to the healing part, and it was like, oh, thank you. So it's like sometimes you don't have to correct everybody around you. You know, just kind of realize that they're on a path too. And for all I knew, this was the second Sunday that she had the courage to walk up and pray with somebody. And if I had turned around and said to her, I'm not here for salvation. I've been saved for years. <laughs> not a good thing. Remember, we are God's marketers, you know, so be, be grace-filled. Um, but we love those churches. And then when we got to New Beginnings and I saw the racial mix and I saw the power of God moving on men and women and people of color, we had gypsies in that church in Portland. And those gypsies who normally don't go to church, there were clans of gypsies that were included in New Beginnings. By the way, they are the best cooks. <laughs> okay, keep moving. Um, and so we realized the value of having so many different types of people in a church with different backgrounds. I'm not sure we could actually run the church if we didn't have the Brazilian influence. If you take a look around, we got a lot of Brazilians that are here at New Beginnings and we say, praise God because they're fun, they're hard workers, and it's really, really good to have them here. We need to love God and love people because that's what Jesus in the New Testament said were the two basic commandments. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. And again, that doesn't mean that you do everything that people want. It doesn't mean that you allow people to take advantage of you. What it means is that you are kind, that you smile. Um, when we had the food program here at New Beginnings, and Don would come and get boxes of food, and then he would go to the neighbor's. And um, that was kind of our way of getting to know some people, and especially the houses that had lots of kids. And we would, you know, take the dairy there and uh, give away lots of the fruits and the vegetables. So being kind isn't always what we might think it might be, but it does mean that you look for a way to do something nice for people around you. It says in Pastor's book, and by the way, Paula is still offering a 20% discount on the book, uh, The Ten Curses That Block the Blessing. So you can go in and tell her that you were in class today. You can't love God and hate your neighbor. It doesn't happen that way. But it doesn't mean that you welcome everybody into your home. One of the things in um, Portland, we had a number of people who were trained, skilled, and equipped to work with people from the street. But those were the people that we called when we had that issue. It did not mean that we were going to take street people into our home. We were not trained. We were willing, but we weren't trained. We weren't equipped. And same with alcohol and drug issues. We had a number of people who were trained how to get that demon out of somebody, how to help somebody, how not to fall into being duped. Don and I were easy to be duped. It's like, you need money. Here, here, take this. So it's like we had to be trained. We came from a church background where that really wasn't a part of the church culture. So we had to be trained, okay? If you have this issue, let me get this pastor. They know how to handle that. 
that was probably one of the best trainings um, that got us set up for New Beginnings because we started with life groups in that, that former church, wonderful church. But some of the issues that came up in our home were things that we had no way of knowing how to deal with. And we had nowhere to go. So we had some messes. <laughs> things that I didn't even know happened in families that all of a sudden we've got a, you know, a girl staying in our house. It's like, holy cow, Lord, you got to help me here. You got to help me. So when we came to New Beginnings and realized that when we do have life groups, you have a pecking order. <laughs> Pastor Wanderson is over life groups. If anything ever comes up in your life group that you don't already have the victory over or never had to have the victory over or have a question, you go to Pastor Wanderson and it bumps the ladder all the way up. There are pastors on staff that have experience in certain things. Anyone that comes with a Jewish question, who do I send that to? Pastor Scott Sigmund. Yes, he's my resident rabbi. He knows as much as Pastor Larry. He doesn't have the uh, gift of connecting all the dots, but he's got the gift of understanding Torah and how to apply it. So anything that has to do with anything Jewish, if I don't know the answer, it goes to Pastor Scott. Money. If anybody comes in asking questions about money, it goes to John Wilson. He's our church administrator. He handles all of those things. By the way, I should tell you, I've got enough time. Um, we designate a certain amount of every offering to help our church family. Uh, legally, we have to have you fill out a form. So you put your name down and you put, you know, the sources of income that you have and then your expenses. And oftentimes we're able, uh, we have a limit on how much we give and you're allowed uh, once a year to, to ask for help. We can't um, pay certain things, but we can pay other things. Um, but in sometimes in filling out that form, it gives John uh, a clue on how to counsel with someone. Because it could be that you're looking at your expenses and going, I don't know how to cut any of this. And sometimes, and it's not forever, it's just a short season. My girlfriend, Joan Porter, uh, if you've ever been in any of my classes, you've heard me talk about Joni. She's a cute little blonde that we worked together at the bank, and I drug her to New Beginnings out of her Baptist church when Donna and I came over. And um, she and her husband made a lot of money. And they were smart people. I'm not talking out of school, because she's written a book, and she tells testimony of this all the time. But they were horribly in debt. And their overdraft charges every month were almost $1,000. When she finally opened up and started talking to me, and it's like, who in their right mind has $1,000 of overdraft charges? What the heck's going on here? And it was a generational curse that had come on Joan from her mother um, about getting dad back. So if Mike went out and spent something, Joni went out and spent twice as much. I'll show him. It's like, honey, 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 you're not showing him. You're robbing your future. So Mike and Joan came to New Beginnings. They understood tithing. They realized they were in a mess. And Mike came to Joan and said, I want to sell some of my stock. Um, many of you may not understand, but in Portland, Portland General Electric was part of Enron. And if you don't follow all of those trails, Enron stock is what all of the retirement funds were in. So their senior officers had millions of dollars in Enron stock. So Mike wanted to sell some of it. <clears throat> and Joni, based on her upbringing, before she had all those curses broken off, that was her security blanket. That was, that was what she was going to retire on, that Enron stock. And so she had 
been through Don's in my marriage class and understood about, you know, even if the head of household asks to do something wrong financially, God will cover you if, if you do it the right way. So she signed the papers. And they didn't sell all of their stock, but they sold enough to pay off debt. It was a week and a half later that the Enron scandal broke, and all of that stock went to zero. It happened so quickly after Mike sold his stock that the senior officers at PGE in Portland called him in and wanted to know, who told you? And Mike said, I had no idea. I just knew that I needed to sell my stock to get out of debt. And he was still under investigation for a season <laughs> because they could not believe that one of their senior officers so close to the time when the, to the stock crashed would have that kind of insight and wisdom. Wow. I know, I know. So Mike and Joan paid off everything. But there was still a season where they had some other things that they needed to take care of. So Joni quit getting her hair colored at the salon. She quit getting her hair cut at the salon. She took off her nails and her pedicures. <clears throat> they both got a job uh, delivering papers. You can see how long ago this was because people still had papers delivered. And she went through a season of cutting back on everything she possibly could. She didn't send Mike's shirts out to be ironed. That was when men wore shirts and, and had to have them ironed. They cut back to just bare bones. And God honored that. Today, Joni retired at a home on the coast. And they have a travel trailer. Uh, they bought the lot next to theirs so Mike could build a building because he restores cars. She kind of comes and goes at whim and will, buys what she wants. Fortunately, I'm on her gift list on Christmas, and she always sends great gifts. But because they got in line with God's word, their giving and their tithing and their debt, then God could bless them. So I'm not saying debt is wrong. There's some debt that, that's good. You can sell a car and pay off a loan. Buying a brand new car may not, well, even if you can find one right now, but buying a new car may not work because you drive it off a lot and then it's worth less than what you paid for it. But if you can buy a, a used car and then sell it and pay it off, that, that's okay, debt. And a home, that's, what you, that's where you live. And you can sell the home and pay that debt off. But credit cards, huh, no. Only time to do a credit card is when you're going to get a perk. And then you pay that credit card off every single month. I came out of banking. Trust me. We know you don't know how to handle your money. <laughs> we send you credit cards because we know you're going to go over and carry a balance over it. And even when you think, oh, I never will. I promise, Lord, I never will. It happens. And then we make money on you. We're not mean people in the banking industry. We just know how to make money. Remember, we build big, tall buildings in every state. And that doesn't come from nonprofit. Okay, I got to keep going. All right. Ah, so racism. Um, if there's somebody that you would not be comfortable with living to, next to or having your daughter date, get over it. God said he would bless Abraham's seed, and those who blessed Abraham would be blessed, and those who cursed Abraham would be cursed. That's why here at New Beginnings, we do so many projects in Israel. But it's not our only project like I said, a certain amount of the money that comes in on an offering goes to be available to help the church family. We support a food bank. So if anyone needs food, then we can refer them to the food bank. We privately, uh, we don't acknowledge which one it is, but we support a safe house for women and children. It's usually full, unfortunately, but we do support it and we do have access 
uh, Billy, our church receptionist, she has a whole list of places where you can go, either for food, uh, shelter, whatever. And when someone comes in, those are mimeographed. And mimeographed, look at me, how old am I? Those are copied and then given out freely so that people know where the resources are. Because of our reputation in the business world, that's one of the reasons why we were allowed to be the food distributor when uh, the White House with President Trump had the from farmers to, to families. Um, we were involved in that much longer than a lot of other people. So just know that we do take care of a lot of things. We give locally. We have, of course, the feeding project, uh, projects in Haiti and in Africa. Um, a lot of people come, you know, saying, you know, can you support this? Can you support this? New Beginnings is so unique because we don't have the money that Pastor Larry pledges to support Israel or other projects. When they call and say, you know, will you, will you up your food contribution for these lunches? And Pastor goes, yes, we will. And then he comes to John and said, John. And then we pray. It's like, Lord, bring it in. And God around the world touches people who will send money. Oh, the other thing you really need to know, I'm, I have such high regard for John Wilson. If you write a check to the church and on it, you designate a certain fund for it to go to, 100% of that money goes to that fund. It doesn't go anywhere else. And that is huge <laughs> in the church world. So if you want it to go to the grapes in Israel, the vineyard that we're planting, Put that down there. If you want it to go to the Aliyah Project, write that down. If you want it to go to the Argon trees that are planted, that a whole community is now able to, to work and make money, put that down there. Any project that God has touched your heart to support, if you put that on your check, it will go there. Um, I don't know many ministries that have that kind of an integrity button in their church administrator because sometimes money gets pretty tight because we've got all these projects. Does money come in? Yes, yes. But it's going out as fast as it's coming in. Um, John is also very cautious with staff. He makes sure that, you know, everybody is working at least two or three jobs here in the church. You're cross-trained on a number of things because he does not want to be, have a huge staff. When COVID first hit, a number of the large churches in the area laid off 80 to 150 people. We didn't lay off one single person, and we didn't miss a paycheck because John Wilson had put something in place to make sure that the staff was going to be okay. That's integrity. You can trust. You can know that what you're putting your funds to is a good thing. And if you're thinking, yeah, but I came from this church and it wasn't a good thing, bless them. Claim that God is going to give them wisdom. It's still your seed, and so you're going to be blessed even if they did the wrong thing with it. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Legalism versus the law. I grew up in, in a Baptist church, not the one that Don and I attended when I was diagnosed, but I grew up in a Baptist church that knew Jesus was a Jew. I thought everybody knew that. We knew that he was a, a rabbi. I didn't know that Baptists didn't believe that. All I knew was that our pastor teached it, taught us. He taught about Shabbat. He taught about the high holidays. Now, he didn't teach about giving the first fruit offering, but he taught about everything that was Jewish. And I was shocked to find out that something that they called replacement theology was being taught. I thought that was just a small pocket of weirdos. It's like, holy cow. No, I was a small pocket of weirdo because I came out of that church knowing that Jesus was a Jew. Replacement theology, again, was put in place by well-intending people. And Pastor Larry teaches that what happened <laughs> is when the Bible said that Israel was going to become a nation, 
And the church leaders got together and went, it's never happened in the history of the world. There's no way they have no land, no language, nothing. There's nothing. It, It makes the Bible look bad. Ah, let's come up with something that says we're the new Israel. And that's how it got started. It was a group of well-meaning people who made a decision. Same with some of the religions out there that, you know, women shouldn't wear pants. Like, oh, please, let me wear some slacks. (laughs) Those are just traditions. And what does God's word say? Your traditions make the word of God null and void. So when something comes up inside of you, just do some research going back and saying, is this really a God thing? Did God really say that? Or was this a tradition? And I was blessed to have my dad tell me growing up, Nancy, read the Bible, not books about the Bible, number one. And number two, understand that a lot of rules that are in place are from a church and not from God. So study. Now, that's a blessing to have a daddy like that. It also opened some doors where it's like, well, maybe I'll do that anyway because, what, what, uh, yeah. So it did open a door. He didn't have the firm hand to go, girl, sit down and shut up. <laughs> so just know that a lot of things that may come up in your mind are just traditions. And step back, keep breathing, and then maybe readjust your attitude. Salvation is free through Jesus Christ. We know that. Uh, if anybody asks about, you know, well, you have to do something, it's like, well, yeah, I used to think that too, but that's thief on the cross. Um, he acknowledged that Jesus was God, and he said, you know, forgive me, and can you make room for me? And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. So you can use that Bible story <laughs> and let people know there's nothing we have, have to do except accept Jesus. Now, the trick here is not believe that Jesus was, but accept him. And you say, wasn't well, it the same thing? No, no. I can believe that I'm married to Don. I can talk about Don. I can talk about the wedding. But if I don't act like a wife, Don doesn't have a wife. (laughs) I can believe about Jesus. I can talk about Jesus. But if I don't accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and Lord is the heavy thing there with the capital L, I don't belong to me anymore. Same as I don't belong to the world anymore. I belong to Don. Don takes care of me. I take care of Don. I don't date other men. (laughs) I'm married to Don. So if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't run around on him. You do what he tells you to do. And then you don't judge others. At this stage in life, Don are really happy with the way things are going. We kind of know each other's routine and we take care of each other. But how I behave as a wife is very different on how Yvonne in the back of the church there, how she behaves as a wife. Yvonne cooks. Oh, my gosh, can she cook? She cooks all the time, and she has all these wonderful meals, and she prepares breakfast and lunch and dinner. <sighs> I don't cook. Now, I do big meals, and I will prepare, like, one of the favorite things we have is chili. I make a big pot of chili, and then Don can go in and, and take care of it. I make um, uh, oatmeal, and not the way I like it. I make oatmeal my way and put it in one container, and I make oatmeal the way he likes it and put it in another container. I don't make him wrong. I cook it the way he likes it, so I do get credit for that. And then he has something to eat. But I don't cook like Yvonne does. So I could have a head-bobbing judgment about Yvonne, but she could certainly have a head-bobbing judgment about me. So with our brothers and sisters in Christ, don't look at somebody else and say they're doing it wrong. 
They were created, hand-packed for the assignment that God has for them. And it might just be different than your assignment. So realize that all of us collectively together paint a picture. We're not all going to be pansies. We're not all going to be roses. We're not all going to be lilies. We're going to be a garden, but we're going to be different. So no judgments there. We don't do good deeds to get saved. We do them because we are saved. We do them because we belong to God. We do them because our Heavenly Father sacrificed a part of himself, part of the Godhead, to come and be alive on earth and to die and to be raised from the dead. That's a pretty heavy price to pay. And so we do things to show God that we are truly obeying him and we honor him. God's grace gives us ability to live God's word. There's no way that on your own you could get everything done. But when you have an unction to do something and you obey God and you do it, there's such a joy that comes that you kind of get addicted to it. And then it's like, okay, what's next? What next do you want me to do? So we do it because of God. We don't have to clean up to come to God. Praise God for that. (laughs) So when people come in, we don't have to immediately start saying, okay, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. We celebrate with them what they're doing. Um, Don and I, when we finally got back into church, we both still smoked. And one of the gentlemen that had a Bible study, um, he and his wife were, you know, one of those couples that everything is in place and her whole house was white and pink and they were just goody two-shoes. And we would do our Bible lessons smoking in the car. If, if you've never smoked, you don't understand that when you smoke in a car, it's like double duty. Put the cigarettes out and go into their house. Yeah, you're laughing loud, aren't you? Esther McLean never said a word. She would take our coats. I assumed she was putting them in the closet. I now know she was probably taking them into the kitchen and putting them in the garage so that it didn't stink up her house. Because don't you know when you're a smoker, everything kind of smells like smoke? And it was probably a year that we had been going to that Bible study. And finally, you know, we're talking about testimonies. And, and Don said, uh, well, you, you may not have known this, but, you know, Nancy and I smoked when we first started coming here. And, and we stopped smoking. And Barney McLean, the husband, he was so sweet. And he said, you know, praise God. And Esther goes, we knew you smoked. And it wasn't, uh, it was kind of like, we knew. And I was like, oh, my gosh, bless her heart. She knew and kept her mouth shut. And that's been an example that I have tried to live by. Don't be telling everybody what they're doing wrong. If they're, if they're wiggling, they don't even have to be running. They don't even have to be walking. If they are leaning towards the truth, celebrate the lean. And then help them lean a little more. Law in Hebrew means the path. It's the Greek language that means it's legalism. So praise God we know Hebrew. Amen. You see, these blessings that block us are because God has made a huge pathway for blessings. Huge. It's not even really hard. It's huge. But if we're over here, it's like, I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. And God's going, honey, wiggle to your left. That's where the blessing is. And I said, Lord, how can I have an example? And he said, okay, you drive a car. 
You go to the gas station. That gas station is full of gas. It's got a, a handle thing that you open up and you put a pistol and you get gas. What if I drove in and said, please give me gas. Please, please, please. I need to be blessed. Please give me gas. Help me, help me, help me. My car needs gas to run. The gas is right there. But there's something I have to do in order to get the gas. The same with pills. You go to the doctor. He gives you pills. You bring the pills home. You set them on the counter. Please heal me. Please heal me. Those pills are what, when you take them, are going to heal you. You have to do something in order to get the goodie. Just take a few steps. Trust me. If you're way out of whack, one little step, God will bless. Because it's like, child, yes, you're on the right path. You're on the right path. Take another step. Yes. It's not legalism. It's God's pathway for blessing. I don't think I would be alive today if we hadn't gotten involved with New Beginnings to understand the power of healing, to understand the power of praise and worship, to understand the power of covenant. And Don and I agree. We hear and we obey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everyone who is in this classroom this morning and for those that are listening to the podcast later on. Father, I'm so thankful that you have put together a, a book that Pastor has written about how to be blessed. It's all there in, in, in the Bible, Heavenly Father, and you've put it in, in a language with stories and things that we can understand. Father, let us always be humbled and, and so grateful for what you, the price that you've paid for us to be whole. Bless each person. Bless their families, their extended families, and bring them back again next week. And all God's people said, amen.